You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in a little bit. I do want to remind you we're in that fourth quarter of the year. Lots of things you should be doing right now. You should be looking over this year, seeing how things have gone. What did you do right? What could you have done better? What would you rather do differently? This is a good time of year to just start reflecting back on the past year and thinking about what you want to do going forward. And it's also a great time of year if you don't have a monthly accounting program, get that set up right now. Get this year caught up. That way, on January 1st, you'll have a couple months experience and you'll be ready to start next year from day one. So don't wait until day one to start thinking about your accounting for next year. If you have a monthly accounting program, excellent. Keep it up to date. If you don't, get on one now and go back and get caught up for the whole year. We can help you with that. In fact, we will let you do it free. If you go to our website, letstruck.com, you look under Profit Gages, which is our accounting software online, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial. You can go all the way back to January, enter all of your information in through to the current day, and it won't cost you a penny. You have 30 days to do it. You could do it in one. One good day, you could get all of your information put into our system. Once you learn how to use our software, it takes about 30 minutes a month to get your information entered, and then you have your reports and everything you need to run a more successful business. But don't wait. Head over there now. Sign up. That's why we do this in the fourth quarter. We do the free trial and we open up the entire year of the program so you can get caught up and it doesn't cost you anything. We do that, one, because I really want to help you get an accounting system and be successful. That's what we do. And two, I also know that once you see our software, how easy it is to use, how inexpensive it's less than or it's $19 a month um, if you decide to go on beyond the free trial. And that's why we open it up. Once you see the software, how easy it is, how powerful it is, how it's going to help you keep more of the money you earn and earn more money, I'm confident you'll see that the $19 a month is a bargain and you'll continue using it. So head on over there and try it. A couple other things, um, lots of tax law changes possibly coming down. That would be another really, really good reason to get your accounting caught up. One of the things I foresee happening coming up as they start to make these tax law changes, 
I'm, I'm going to help people understand how it's going to impact you personally. And if you have your numbers in profit gauges in our system, I could go in there and look and tell you exactly how the new tax law changes are going to affect you. So there's a lot going on right now in taxes and the industry, and you really don't want to be running without a good business report or profit and loss. The uh, per diem has not changed this year for uh, the last quarter of 2017 and 2018. It is still $63 a day, so no change in the per diem. $63 a day U.S., $68 a day outside of the U.S. So no big change there, but we could be seeing a lot of tax law changes here soon. I'll keep you updated on that. I'm watching it. And as news comes out of Washington, I'll start uh, analyzing that and telling you how I think it's going to affect the trucking industry and primarily drivers and owner operators. Let's... Uh, Let's get to some phone calls. Let's see what it is you want to talk about tonight. We're going to start off in Tennessee. Richard, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I was going to ask you about uh, a truck. I'm looking to get a, a, another truck, one that's got an auto shift in it, um, because my wife, she's going to get her license and try to team with me a little bit. Uh, she's not going to drive a whole lot, just more or less. Uh, whatever I can't make make throughout that day, she's just gonna finish off the day or start a day off or whatever. But um, I'm with Mercer over here. Just started with them three weeks ago, and uh, they got they told me that as long as she's got her license, they'll they'll let her start driving the truck. So I thought that was a good idea. But um, she she's not too familiar with standard shifts. Um, if I can get her to learn how to do it before next year, the middle of next year. I'll I'll keep my truck, but if not, I'm gonna uh, probably end up getting the one with an auto shift in it. Uh, I'm gonna be getting a Kenworth, uh, possibly a T660 or a 680. And I was wanting to find out what your opinion is on what year I need to get, uh, as far as the transmission, which ones they have better use out of. You know, I I had some really bad experiences with the auto shift early, but I was one of the early adopters of them. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. The the experience that I had that a lot of people probably remember me talking about, and I think it freaked them out a little bit, was with the Meritor auto shift. And the problem with it was they brought the Meritor over here. It was a European transmission. They brought it over here. They started selling it for a year or two, and then it turned out that there was some legal issue. They had infringed on patents or something. And they stopped selling it. Well, when they stopped selling it, they also stopped servicing it. So uh, when I did run into a problem, which didn't happen till about a million miles, it was an electronic problem and nobody could fix it. And we spent so much money on it. It was ridiculous. I, I never had those problems with any of my Eaton auto shifts. And that was back, we're talking early 2000s. You know, that was a, an 01 truck with an Eaton that I had no problems with and an 05 with the Meritor that went a million miles with no problems. But then once it had that problem, it was just a nightmare. Um, so uh, I, I really would not worry about the auto shifts. I very, very seldom ever get calls. So I, I don't think the year matters much. I mean, you're looking at fairly recent trucks, right? 
Yeah, um, I, and that's another thing I was to ask you about the year, uh, the the 660s and 680s. I've noticed a lot of them either got the um, the Cummins or either they have the uh, pack car engine in them. Man. Um, any feedback on the pack car engine, or should I just stick with the Cummins? I would stick with the Cummins right now. You know, I, I think the pack car has a lot of potential. I just don't think we're quite there yet. You're going to have a much harder time finding people that are really good at working on that engine. So I, I, I would just stay away from it. I think it's a great engine. I just don't think we have the infrastructure here yet to support it well. And the new ISX is really pretty impressive. For as much as I bash the ISX over the years, I have to say, um, they finally fixed some things on it. it. It seems to be a pretty impressive engine now. And I, I would say like now, 20 teen and newer, I think, on the ISX. Uh, okay, so try to stay above a 13 then? Yeah, for the most part, there were some improvements around then that I think you'll be better off with. Okay. All right. All right I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We are going to head off to, no, I'm going to do that one later because that one looks uh, more confusing. Let's go to uh, Colorado. Merv, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. What can I help you with I today? I have uh, two questions, one about uh, off-road exemption for fuel tax, and I have an oil sample for you to look at. Let's take a look at the oil sample. That'll take us into the break, and then we'll come back and do the exemption on the fuel tax. So I'm looking at a C15. What year? It's an 01. And 335,000 miles. Is that on an in-frame? That's on an in-frame. Okay. And, and 155,000 on this oil, is that correct? Yes. Boy. You've got a uh, you've got a good in frame. The only thing I'm seeing that's a little concerning is the iron is really high, but I don't right. see any reason why it should be. Huh. One thing about this sample, if you look at the dates, it took uh, almost two weeks to get the sample back, and I'm wondering. The oxidation is a little bit high. Yeah, that I'm not worried about. Let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll we'll finish the oil sample up, and we'll do the uh, fuel tax question right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. I was talking with Merv in Colorado. Um, the, the oxidation will go up a little bit if the uh, sample sits around. That's not a big deal. Um, everything on the sample looks good. The oil is in really good condition. The, there's no you know, problems with the oil, so we shouldn't really see heavy wear metals. But we're seeing, actually, everything's a little high now that I look at it. Lead, copper, iron. Um, I just don't understand why. You know, I, I think you got 155,000 miles out of the oil. I think I would do an oil change just to reset these numbers. Just because right. they're higher than they should be. And once wear metals are there, we can't really get rid of them other than changing the oil. So I, I don't know why we're seeing these. There doesn't seem to be any good reason. There's no fuel dilution. There's no coolant getting in there. We Soot is almost, you know, not there at all. And yet all the wear metals seem high. Let me, oh, wait, I forgot to, no, silicon's not high. So that's not the problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would just change the oil on this one and kind of do a reset. Okay. That sounds good. And on the off-road exemption for IFTA, I questioned my carrier about it a while ago and asked if I can exempt for idling time uh, because I sat down in Texas one time for three days idling and I thought maybe I could exempt that from the fuel tax and they went to their IFTA auditor or IFTA people that do their IFTA and they came back and said that there is no off-road exemption anymore and I know it used to be there they said that's gone well I don't know about the off-road exemption in IFTA I'm not sure what they mean when they say it's gone unless they're just talking about something on the forms themselves the rules haven't changed you only pay fuel tax on fuel that it was that's used to drive on the public roads I mean that hasn't changed so we have rather than doing an exemption on IFTA there is a form to file um, on your federal tax return, like, like your 1040 that you file at the end of the year for income tax, there's actually a form you can file on there to get credit back for highway fuel tax paid on non-highway miles. So you can, okay, and we've, an oh, well then you've got to talk to somebody that understands how that might work in Canada. I don't know if you have that same okay. ability to get that credit back. But in the U.S. Yeah, I'll talk to my accountant about that. Yeah, on the U.S., we show it as fuel paid tax on the form because that's how you do it. So it, it isn't on the IFTA form that you actually address this. If you paid tax on fuel that either went into the reefer um, was used in, in an APU, and we can prove it somewhat. I mean, I've just told people, look, you, you have an hour meter on most APUs, and if you don't, just keep track of how long you run it. We'll estimate, you know, how much fuel it burns per hour. 
and we apply for that credit back, but it, it actually happens on the income tax return. So you'd have to figure out if there's any way to do that in Canada or not. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. I should probably put that on my list and go find that out. So the next time I get that question, I'll know the answer. Let's, uh, let's go to Tennessee. Rulin, welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? I have been working with a client for about a year, and they've asked me to expand involving tractor trailers dedicated out of Nashville going to Knoxville. And I run a straight truck. I have no idea what to do with tractor trailers. And I was wondering if that's something I should get involved with or sit back for a year or two and figure it out. You know, this this is a tough one. How uh how well do you handle risk? Very well. Okay. Cuz there's there's not a right or wrong answer to this. You know, it, so I could ad address it from my point of view that I I'm I'm like you, risk doesn't bother me, doesn't keep me up at night. I I'm willing to take quite a bit of risk and deal with the consequences if it goes wrong. So any time an opportunity is presented to me, if it looks like a good opportunity, if I'm not ready, I'll figure out how to get ready. And there's, clearly there's a little more risk in that. You know, if you were already running multiple tractor trailers and somebody wanted you to add two more and the work was there, that's not a big deal. But coming from where you are, um, certainly it's going to require a lot more work. You're going to have to get up to speed a lot quicker. So some people, this would just be a bad idea for them. For me, like I said, this would be something, if I saw the opportunity and it looked good, I'd probably be all over it. Now, here's what I would recommend that you don't do. I would not buy a tractor trailer and put a driver in it. If you're going to do this, right. you need to be the one to go drive it, at least in the beginning. And then you can start hiring people to do that. But, but I've watched lots and lots of people fail buying trucks and trailers, thinking they can just put a job in it or a driver in it, and manage it. And without that background and experience, it's much more difficult. It's difficult managing drivers and finding drivers. Now, you said this is Nashville to Knoxville, so it sounds like a driver would be home every night? Yes. And Although how much, how much um, work is there? If you put on a truck and trailer today, tell me about you know how many runs a week or a day, or how would this work? What is the opportunity? They offered me four runs, seven days a week. So I'd need eight drivers at least, maybe nine. Four runs, seven days a week. So how many can you do in a day with the, is it drop and hook or live load and it's, unload? It's, it's drop and hook in Nashville. They all start at the same time, so it's four at a time. And they cross dock in Knoxville and then make one delivery on their way back to Nashville. So how many miles is that a day then? Uh, roughly 400 is the max. Okay. And what are they paying per mile to the truck and trailer? The estimate I got was $1.81 all miles. 
yeah, it's not that I don't think that's good enough. So I don't know. That's a tough call. I, I would have to sit down and really look at that and really crunch some numbers. It, it's not so amazing that I'd be all over it, but I, you could probably make some money doing it. And it's a little easier to keep drivers when you can keep them home every night. But, you know, 400 miles a day, you're going to have to pay a driver pretty decent mileage amount to keep them. I'm thinking up into the 55, 60 cent a mile range. It still leaves you a dollar twenty to work with on expenses. Here's the other thing about this: that that so I, I would consider looking at this as a possibility. Now, you going out and finding, you know, eight or nine drivers. Um, why would you need eight or nine? I was going to do four tens for each driver. Because yeah, one day, one day of the week it, it doubles the the stuff I deliver in Nash in Knoxville. I'll use a use one of the drivers a week driving a box truck delivering that stuff. Okay, so I you know I it, trying to work out all the details right now probably is too much to do on the radio. But he, here's the yeah. big big issue here: is this a contract with an absolute term, and how long is the term? I haven't got that far yet. That that's the whole. If they just say, "Look, we have the work. You go out and buy the trucks and hire drivers, and we'll give you the work." Hell no. We're signing a contract. I need at least a year. You know that I know this is my freight. Nobody else can come in and take it. And even then, you're you're looking at it's going to take a lot to get up and running. So you think you're going to need four trucks and four trailers, right? Yeah, they provide the trailer, so it's tractor only. Okay, so four tractors. I mean, we're we're still looking at every bit of $60,000 if we buy older trucks to do this, which I would in that operation. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there may be an opportunity here. I, I, I would have to work through some details. Uh, if I were you, though, I would really think about you being one of those drivers for a while. I've got to get to a break. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff from Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to head off to Minnesota. Gary, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. See, uh, I got some uh, profit gauges sitting there. I was working for a company up until April, but uh, I want to have a breakdown from the first three months because April was a transition month versus the new company I'm working for to see how much better it is. I know it's better by quite a bit, but I want to see what you think, what I need to do for taxes and stuff like that. And also, I got a, an opportunity to buy a truck, and I was just curious what you thought about it. But I'd like to do the so, tax thing or the profit gauges first. Okay, so I've got a bunch of monthly reports from profit gauges. What exactly do you want me to do? The first first three months, I was running for a company doing refrigeration. Okay. And I know I was making like the buck ten a mile or whatever. But I wanted to compare that with with from May on till present. Okay. All right. So let me look at those real quick. Uh, something was wrong with the way things were being entered on these. The, these reports aren't making I any sense at all. Okay, the first three the first three months that that guy would I that's I had talked to you about him before. He would not he would given me he gave me a ten the ten ninety nine for what he gave me in checks. He would not I couldn't get the information, you know, for deductions. He was claiming the fuel. So that's where I was kinda of screwed up, you know, okay. so I had to go with so, go with that and so I wasn't gonna find out what my fuel costs were. Those those to me, I, I can't possibly just glance at those and figure anything out because that, that is so screwed up the way he was doing it that these numbers are meaningless to me. Um I would have to take a lot more time to have to dig in. But I can look at like I'm looking at May now, so there it looks like you started with a dollar twenty and you ended up with sixty six cents. June a dollar twelve and ended up with eighty one. dollar uh, eighty four and ended up with a dollar forty six. So things are starting to look much better by July. Uh, August. Um, you know, it, again, some of your numbers just aren't making sense to me in some of these months. Um, you know, in, in August, we're only showing $1.13 a mile and fuel only at 20 cents a mile. I mean, that neither one of those numbers sound right. Okay. So I, I don't want to, you know, I, and I don't have time to really dig into it. Now, you know, this month looks better, $1.73 all miles. Uh, fuel's at 42 cents. That sounds better. Um I would honestly spend some time going through all of your accounting to get these numbers right, because they're they're way outside of the norms, and one month is is way different from another. So I I would want to take some time to just get this accounting straight. Um, again, me trying to look at a report that isn't normal and trying to figure out what's wrong is really difficult on the radio. If I can just open it up and you know, everything kind of looks the way it's supposed to, then I could say, well, here's where we are on taxes. And, but the, the first three are an absolute disaster. Nothing I can do with those. 
And then the rest of the months, a couple of the months look normal, but a couple of the numbers look way off. How did we go from 42 cents a mile on fuel all the way down to 20? That that the 20 cents yeah, doesn't that, make that doesn't make that doesn't yeah that doesn't make doesn't make any sense. Right. So um, you might want to go back through it yourself, or you can actually schedule some time, and we might be able to help you with it. But I, I don't want to try to give you any information on these numbers because they're just not making sense. Okay. All right. And then uh, the other deal was is I have an opportunity to buy a a 1998 Freightliner. Uh, I'm not even sure what the Freightliner is. It's a neighbor of mine. Is his a buddy of mine? It's his dad is getting out of it because he uh, he's got arthritis so bad and he's got health issues. So he's just getting out of it. And he had an uh, an out of frame done on an N14 about 300 and 30 to 350,000 miles ago and I know it's got a 10 speed and he's only wants $5,000 for it everything everything works you know it's almost impossible to go wrong with a truck like that you know when I hear a Freightliner N14 10 speed that's a really really basic truck that you can make a lot of money with you know nothing fancy about the specs they're just solid they're simple easy to keep these things running right it's relatively easy to get good fuel economy out of them as long as it's not a classic and even if it is um you know fuel isn't all that yep. expensive right now in a five thousand dollar truck you could part it out and get more than that you know the an engine with yep. an in-frame if you're willing to take some time and part it out you could do better but you could also make a lot of money with a $5,000 truck like that. So if you've got the money and the time, I, this is one of those deals where I just don't think you can go wrong. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Washington. Mark, welcome to the program. <clears throat> Kevin. Hey there. What's on your mind? Oh, okay. Make sure it was me. Uh, I work for a small company in Spokane, Washington. And for years, uh, we have had a little a niche market with a couple direct contracts for northbound to California and Arizona areas and northbound coming back. And that worked great for years, and the scheduling got all, you know, ironed out, and it worked great. Recently, I uh, lost a contract with primarily the northbound side, and now our company is having to join the rat race on the lower boards, scrambling to get the trucks back north to Spokane to cover the contract we have for southbound. And I'd like to ask if I could present the opportunity for other owner operators in the Spokane area to be interested and maybe partner with our company to help us out. Yeah, um, do you know what, what Okay. Does the company use any owner operators now, or is this something new they're going to try? It would be somewhat new, although it's not totally alien. They do have a broker's license, and 
they do occasionally, you know, broker out the loads. But it's hard to find quality carriers in the Spokane area that are available and, you know, dependable. Well, let, let me just clarify that for you. It's hard to find good small carriers, owner operators anywhere in the country right now, and it's going to get worse. I could agree with that, yeah. Our yeah, avenues it, now, it, local, local advertising and Craigslist, no, they're not producing any results that would be satisfactory. So, so and that's kind of my question about have they worked out this contract yet? Because without numbers, and the numbers better be pretty darn good, the odds of you getting any response to this are slim to none. There's opportunities everywhere. And if all you're saying is, well, we haven't worked out the numbers or I don't know what it's going to pay per mile or how much work you can get or I mean, you might as well forget it. So unless we have some pretty hard details, unless the numbers are impressive, spot market freight right now is paying over two bucks a mile. Yes. So it, are there some numbers on this? Do they know what they're going to pay and how many miles I can expect to get in an average week? Off the top of my head, no, but I could probably be assured that it would be worthwhile to have somebody we'll come see, in those, and those, ask those, about it. Those, yeah, I understand. Those are really vague terms. Probably would be worthwhile. I, I, I just, I just know, because I, I, I've advertised for drivers and owner operators for years. And given the climate yeah. that we're in right now, you're going to get zero response. The same thing you're getting out of your local and Craigslist. And this isn't going to do any better because people listening to us right now that don't know that number, they're not going to bother. They're, they're just not going to call. People want details right now. And again, the details better be good because it is a competitive market out there right now. And it's getting hard to find trucks and drivers. So I don't want to discourage you, but it's just not going to do any good to put that information out over the air right now. If you have other details, you know, you can come back on and talk about it. The one thing I have to be careful of on the show, can't turn into a, a, you know, swap and shop. And every once in a while, I help somebody sell a truck. We might put out a job opportunity. Just can't do a lot of that. And, and I just can't do it without details. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're down to the segment. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to California. 
Julie. Julie, going once. Oh, there you are. Uh, there you are. Go ahead. Hello. Outside your mind. Okay. Tax question. Um, I'm a transport driver. I do drive away. And I heard uh, you mentioning that they're changing the per diem next year. No. <clears throat> no, I said it's staying the same. It's not changing. It's okay. staying exactly so, what it is, the $63 a day. I'm not sure my accountant knows exactly what she's doing about trucking um, taxes. You know, it's, I mean, it's a little bit different than an actual trucking company because I'm an individual contractor that I work for myself for different companies, drive-away companies. And um, this 2017 coming up tax year, I kind of wanted somebody else who knows about trucking to look over my taxes or do my taxes. Um, you can you always have a, look it over. Okay. And where would I send that information to? You can send it to support at letstruck.com. No. Yeah. So, so what you're telling me is you work as an independent contractor. You get paid on a 1099, I would assume, not a W-2, correct? Right. Correct. It, it, are you truly doing this on your own, or is there some company that finds you the work and then pays you on the 1099? Right. I get I get paid a specific amount per mile. They they pay per load. But it's a it's a company that's doing all this and paying you. You're not you're not out there as a truly. Yeah, okay. So correct. Just so right. you no. Know, just so you know, and this is very very common in the industry. This is incorrect. You're not an independent contractor. You're an employee of that company right. that's paying. So what of they're doing, companies. well, no, I, 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 and I need to be clear on this because this matters and that's kind of why I'm asking. You may move equipment around for different companies, but are you getting paid by different companies or is there one company organizing all of this and paying you? No, I'm getting paid by different companies. I work for three different companies. So, one, so, you know, one week I'll be working for company A and then I'll find another load with company B and they'll pay me for that load. And then another week I'll do company C. So how did you get, how did you find these three companies? How did all this come about? It, and I'm curious because it sounds to me like somebody may have found a workaround on the 1099 issue. Um, how did you end up in this situation? Did you go to these three companies and say, hey, look, I'm available to move equipment around for you. Call me when you need me. No, I'm I'm like an employee for them, but it's a drive away company. So you can work for, you know, several that, different that, companies. That's because what, if one, that's if one company to. doesn't have anything on the board, then I would just call another company and look for something else in the area that I'm at. And each company pays you individually. Right. So one week you might get a check from company A, and next week you might get a check from company B. Right. 
well it's it's per per truck i mean i can i can drive you know one truck 500 miles drop it go pick up another one the next day and drive 200 miles drop that one pick up a third truck so i I just deliver trucks now I, i understand what you do i'm trying to understand the true employment situation so that i answer this question correctly so in your okay. scenario you've just moved trucks for three different companies are you going to get three different checks one from each one of those companies that you worked for yes it sounds to me like somebody and again i i want to keep coming back to this because this is it's a technical question that's going to make a difference. How did you get hooked up with those three companies? I mean, is there somebody that organizes all this and set it up? No, they're no, they're driveaway companies. I, I understand what driveway company are. Okay, so that and that's what I'm trying to get to. I understand the job, I understand the companies. You went to each one of these companies individually and said, "I'm available when you have work, call me." Right. You apply. Okay. You're an employee for them, but so, it's 10.99. No, you're not. That you're not an employee, and that's what I'm trying to get to. And your statements keep right. confusing me. You're not an employee. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if you're technically a, a legal independent contractor or not. But but the, the these are confusing me because you're saying I'm hired by that company and I'm an employee. Well, well, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to understand is how did you ever get to this arrangement you went to these individual companies and said i'm available call me when you have work or is there some other entity that you have to you have to apply with them and you go through orientation with them you know hire on with them and but you did that three different times you hired on with three different companies. I'm, yeah, I'm currently working with three different companies. And I there isn't four, one. four, five, ten different drive-away companies if I want. But you would go find those individual companies yourself and apply for them. That's really the point I'm trying to get to. Or is right. there some master company in here that does all this for no. you? that that's the point i'm trying to get to you may technically qualify to be an independent contractor since you're working for all three sounds to me like this is just a workaround because the big issue here it's hard to be an independent contractor when you don't that that's needed to do the job so i you may or may not be a legal independent contractor but that really Who's ever doing your tax return better know what they're doing. Your per diem should be being yeah, deducted on C, not a Schedule A, and they need to know the correct amounts and the correct procedures. And it's very possible that they don't because the per diem system is different for anybody that's subject to hours of service rules. So what I would recommend is you you find somebody that really understands trucking taxes. You can send it to us. I'll review it. I don't charge anything to review the return. It's support at letstruck.com. And I'd be able to figure out, you know, if they're doing it right. And if not, we'll show you how to do it right. Let's go to North Carolina. Steve, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? 
Good. What can I help you with today? Got a tax question. Um, I'm an owner operator. I'm leased to a company. Um, been leased to this company for two years. Previously, another company for 12. Uh, when I was with the company I was with for 12 years, my 1099 came with a gross figure on it with before fuel and my actual percentage cut. But that was the gross figure on that 1099. This company I'm with here now, the 1099 only has the figure, the gross figure, after any and all expenses are taken out, fuel or whatever else may come out of my check or what have you. And they're saying that's correct, but that's my question. No, Is that not. right? That's, no, that's not right. It is completely wrong. They're, when that's what I'm trying to tell them. They, they are completely wrong about this. You are an independent contractor. They should show the gross amount of money issued to you. Now, let me give the exception that confuses people. Let's say that the load paid $1,000 from the shipper to the carrier, and you're on an 80% contract, so you get $800 of that 1000 they should not show the $1,000 as the gross. They should show the 800 as the gross. That's what got paid exactly. to you. That's what matters, but they shouldn't be deducting fuel or insurance. I don't care if you charge it through them or not, and it comes off your settlement. That doesn't matter. The 1099 should reflect the gross. Now, you could argue with them, and they're probably not going to change. The easy way to fix this is just ignore the 1099, have a good accounting system that tracks your own income because you should be anyway. And then you just report the correct amount. So, and, and the IRS could care less because their number is going to be low. Their number might be 60000 for the year. You're going to report 120000 because that's what you got. The IRS will never question that so you don't even have to worry about it. So you could try to get them to fix it. They're probably not going to, but it doesn't matter easy to fix on your own on your tax return you just report the correct gross and then the correct deductions thanks for joining me i'm all out of time we'll have to do it again soon check out the website it's letstruck.com thanks for joining me be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work and master the journey i'm kevin rutherford Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at Let's Truck.com and find us on Facebook.com slash Let's Truck.